welcome to the Emerald Gamescast, episode 20? 19? Somewhere whereabouts. I should have looked this up beforehand. My name is Nolan, with me is... I'm Alex. And? I'm Janelle. And the 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 phantom ghost the Emerald Games cast has become has once again shown up to haunt you. We're we're we're, we're we transitioned to an intermittent podcast. <laughs> we we come when the nights are the spookiest, the rainiest, and we're here this week. We're back. It's Every beautiful outside though. Every full moon we rise from the grave. Yeah, but it's back. like nice out, and it's like the least spooky day today. So, yeah, they should they should start doing that every full moon for like game announcements. Like you can make a like a, like the next medieval game, you know, midnight, the next full moon or something. Excuse me? There are already rumors of them remaking the second one, by the way. There was a second medieval game? Oh my god. There are two and a half. <laughs> really? Three and a half. That's right. We talked about this. Yeah. Why is half? Is it like a PSP game? Because they, re- they, yes. Okay. They remade it once for the PSP, I guess. Yeah, wasn't it? No, maybe. Okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere it, in thereabouts. Yeah, either way, yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's the week of February. It's the 16th. What have you guys been up to lately? Alex, have you played any any games this week you want to talk about? Define games. <laughs> well, people have been trying to do that since Gone Home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just recently there was a new uh, service that was launched by the Pokemon company called Pokemon Home. Um, and the way it works is it's basically like a storage service that you pay and honestly, a ridiculous amount of money per year for it. It's like, like, like 20, 20 bucks a month? It's like or? $17 a year. Oh, that's better than I expected. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but that's the price that Nintendo Switch Online is. So you're paying double that for something that has like half, a quarter of the functionality. But yeah, it's just, it lets you organize uh, your, your Pokemon boxes. And it also lets, brings back the GTS or the Global Trade System or Global Trade Network. I forget what it is. But basically, it lets you trade the people around the world, right? So you can put up Pokemon for quote unquote like auction, basically. And then they can respond with, oh, I have this one that you want. So you trade across Which, like, the world. I'm glad it's back. But but this reminds me of when games take iterative features out of sequels to DLC them back in. I mean, GTS was on two, two of the 3DS generations. Well, I mean, there were only two. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, GTS has been here since well, uh, it, Diamond and Pearl. I, I guess I'm, generations is the wrong word, but there was multiple 3DS because there was the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire remakes as well, yep, yep. which which round that up to three version sets, right? Yep. When we got yeah. online functionality with the DS games, then we got the GTS, and then they mysteriously removed and were removed in this generation. Hmm. Um, yeah, which is which is a, which is a little suspicious. Um, you can access the GTS for free, and you do get a limited amount of things you can do with Home for free. Um, I paid because I'm a shill and a dumbass. So <laughs> I think like 10 minutes before recording, when I was asking you about Game Pass, you were saying that you don't really like subscription services or paying for them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. But, I don't like but it. But this one is from the Mario company. I guess I just don't get it. Why can't you just organize your box yourself? Because there's more space in... Well, actually, you still have to organize the box yourself. It doesn't do any of the heavy lifting for you. Oh, so what's the point? The point I, is, I guess I don't really get it. Why can't you just trade a Pokemon with your friend or something. Well, that that's the other thing. You can only trade locally if you don't have Pokemon Box. So, or Pokemon Home, excuse me. Box was the old one. Wait, what, um, what, what do you mean you can only trade locally? Because you can already trade online with randoms in Sword and Shield without paying. With randoms, is that, yes. Oh, see. So in Pokemon Home, which is a mobile app, by the way, uh-huh. they split up the functionality, you could pull up your phone and, you know, let's say Janelle has a Pokemon that I want. I could scan her QR code, and then we would get into a room together, and we could trade the Pokemon. 
This is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever said, but I'm just now realizing that this entire time I thought it was a physical box. <laughs> what? I don't know why. I have no idea why I thought that, but I thought it was like a a thing that you, you plug just into stuff your, your Pokemon. TV or oh, one of those. Okay. I don't know why I thought that. I thought you meant like in universe they were just stuffing Pokemon into a cardboard no, box. No, I thought that you had to buy a box to have Pokemon home oh. and that it was that it wasn't portable because it's for the home. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's a home for your Pokemon is I why see. they call that's it. That's what a Pokeball is, actually. <laughs> that's, so well, that's only home I, for one I, Pokemon. I wouldn't put something like that past Nintendo. I mean these are the guys that released a, a finger uh, a finger attached heart scanner. Did they ever Remember actually that? release that though? I thought that was just a patent. Oh I don't know. Either way, they thought about it. They they thought they, about it. they considered that for a long time. Enough to pr- present it to us. You know what I've been thinking about for a long time? Wait. W- oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. I-, I was just going to say I've been thinking about it. I haven't been able to get it out of my brain. Um, we've been talking about it for a while. It's a long time, long time coming up to this. Yeah. Um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out. It Yeah, it, it definitely did. On Valentine's Day. <laughs> on Valentine's Day. Well, the day, day before Valentine's Day, technically. T- at t- mm-hmm. On a technicality. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock the day before because it's 12 on the East Coast. Nothing but... ever releases on release day in 2020. That's no, true. Yeah. yeah. But freaking it's here. It's it's real. I kind of feel like it was a little more fun waiting for it to exist than it was seeing it. I mean, I did really enjoy it. I and 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 I and I didn't expect to. I I I can't, I can't speak for you guys, but I was going to see this no matter what. But I didn't actually think that it would be even passable, but it was. Yeah, it, it was, was definitely really passable. Good. No, it was good. It was a fun movie. It was good. And I'm not I'm not slamming on that movie to say that it was more fun to wait for it to to, to exist so much as it was this like unknowable being and now we just know that it's a pretty okay movie. And that's just a lot less fun than it being the Sonic movie. This like terror it would be more fun for this to have been in development hell like, until 2030. Like Death Stranding. No, but but I love Death Stranding. Yeah, but it's the same thing. I think for most people, it's more fun waiting for that game to like come out and see what it was going to be. Yeah, I, I can't help but imagine that a big part of the Sonic factor wasn't the redesign, uh, which we talked about in, in previous podcasts. But yeah, they they had to like delay the movie to redesign the character. This was supposed to be out on on Christmas Day, I think it was. No, it was actually supposed to come out as the same the same day as Death Stranding. Oh wait, really? Yes. Oh okay. Really? Yes. I don't remember that. I. I remember my friend freaking out for months about like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do that day. I want to do both. And so, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, it came out on the day of love instead. And I loved it. You did. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute. I had zero expectations for it to be a good movie. I mm-hmm. thought it would be a dumpster fire. I was disappointed when they redesigned him for like a multitude of reasons, but primarily because it wasn't funny anymore. Yeah, but it's just... Yeah cute and good you, so 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 it worked for you even though you aren't a sonic fan and like i mean you've probably said so on the past podcast but you've never really played them before right i played like the second one maybe one time okay, when i was okay when i was a kid i played it i guess i don't know i recognized the ring sounds mm-hmm. i i got tails nostalgia for some reason well everyone knows the ring sounds they use them in gas stations for some reason you ever noticed that what you, you, you ever been in like a gas station convenience store and heard the ring sound on the cash register I've heard people talk about that. Never actually heard it happen. This is. I heard it in in like central and eastern Oregon. And I always thought it was in East Coast. Very rural gas stations. I've never I've heard, heard of it this. In. Really? Wow. I don't know if it's the actual sonic sound or just one that is strikingly similar to it. But, but um, anyways, though. So to you, this is just a movie about a blue hog. Yeah. Ra- racing around Speedy with some rings. Hog. I only liked it because, as you guys know, 
I am a sucker for sad things. And most of the movie was him being sad and cute about something. And that really got me. I think I almost cried three different times. Really? That's wild. Can we spoiler cast on what those three different times were right now? Yeah, spoilers. There was on his list, he wrote that he wanted to make a friend. And that just, I fucking lost it. Then he had, he was going to like go into the mushroom land in the end. And that almost made me cry because I felt sad for him. And then he got a bed, and that was really good. So what, you, you mean in the end when when he's like, mm-hmm. I have to go back to yeah. my cave. Yeah. And then. And then yeah yeah. Mm, mm. So so, you didn't cry at the part where Eggman explicitly stated he wasn't breastfed. I have known about that line for months. Have you really? Yes. How? It was in something forever ago. My same friend who was upset about Death Stranding coming out on uh-huh. the same day was has been mad about this for months, too, because it's really weird that it's they made that so joke. It's so weird. It was weird. It's uncomfortable. As, I hate it. That didn't make me cry. Should that have, and, like the, the, like, five fart jokes in the movie, it's just... There were four. I did oh, count. Oh, excuse me. My bad. And My it was mistake. horrible. Each one was awful. I just... I, I, I have a hard time being like, oh... I, it feels like every other Sonic property to me where it's like people like it and I cannot understand why <laughs> because I don't think it's very good at all. Like it's it's every other it just felt like every other children's movie. I don't really have a lot to say about it honestly. I, other than I, I guess maybe that's why I, why I did like it. Not not that it felt like every other children's movie, but that it um I mean I I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just expected it to be trying so hard to play into the meme of what it had become and and it was surprisingly genuine and not mm-hmm. laced with the irony that i expected it to be which who knows we we aren't able to see the alternate universe version of the sonic movie that's self-aware about itself we got the one that just felt like a blockbuster kids movie and and i and i don't hate that about it i think that ben schwartz did a lot of carrying i think that um the guy who played the cop, what the heck, James Marsden, he was, he was really boring. I don't, yeah. I didn't like James Marsden's character much. I'm not, I, I mean, even Jim Carrey to me, I think was. Jim I, Carrey was terrible. I heard a lot of people say that Jim Carrey was the highlight, and I don't, yeah. I don't, know I don't agree with that. This was, there, there's a particular brand of Jim Carrey that I do not like, and this felt like him tapping into 90s himself mm-hmm. like someone thought that the most popular Jim Carrey was the Ace Ventura well it was That's they're not the wrong they're, that is the most popular Jim Carrey but he doesn't even seem like I mean this is it, it's weird seeing him in a role like that because it, it seemed like in the past several years he, like Jim Carrey himself has tried to get away from playing the Ace Ventura gag mm-hmm. and and he's taken these more like prestige roles you know prestige is a strong word but he did like the Truman Show and and other things and majesty and all that. And to see him go back to old regressed Jim Carrey is just bizarre. <laughs> and he's not even, he's not really even doing it that well. You know, it's like yeah. a weird, like a Weekend at Bernie's thing. They propped dead Jim Carrey up and they're like, do the 90s thing. No, that, that's what I was going to say. He can't be Ace Ventura anymore because he's like 60 something years old. Like he just cannot move is and he do really? that. He's really old. Wow. He's, he's... Good for him. <laughs> We're sunscreen probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, he, you know, he's, He's an old guy, right? So he can't, like, do what he used to do. It's like how people want to reboot Indiana Jones and have uh, Harrison Ford come back. Like, no. Mm-mm. He can't do Indiana well, they, Jones well, they, things. Well, they, they tried that, and it... Well, they're doing it again. That's confirmed. It, it, yeah. Um, it's... But, yeah, it the, the whole movie was just, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to write home about it. I think it's weird that it's become, like, the... Well, it's not that weird, because it's easily marketable, right? It's a children's movie. 
with a cute little mascot character. It's become, for context, it's become like the highest grossing video game movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is wild. Which yeah, is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beating I Detective know. Pikachu, I think it was. And then before that, mm-hmm. it was Doom, maybe? I don't remember. Oh, God, with The Rock? Yeah, with The Rock. Oh, man. that mo- You guys remember that? Have you seen that movie, Janelle? No. It has this first-person shooter sequence where, the, where it, it, is, it looks like it's the game, but like Doom 3 version. Ah, oh, it's terrible. That sounds awful. Yeah, it's really bad. Now he, tell- when he gets the BFG, he looks at it and goes, that's a big fucking gun. <laughs> No. <laughs> they said the bad. quiet part out loud. <laughs> I kept asking Nolan this every time something stupid would happen in the movie. I'd go, is that in the lore? Like when Sonic <laughs> has force lightning. <laughs> but like Eggman wasn't egg shaped. He wasn't fat until like after the movie. Is that in the lore? No, no, no. A- 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 Eggman's origin story is that, is that he's Eggman. He's Dr. Robotnik. That's it. Yeah, he's just a guy. He didn't start like, working with the government and shit until the Adventures game. I just wanted big mustache um, Eggman. What I wanted is, I'm, I think that it's really hysterical that they dropped just this casual line about that time that Dr. Robotnik uh, orchestrated a military intervention in the Middle East. And, and that's the best <laughs> line in the movie that nobody's talking about. Because that's true. I do remember that. That's the about movie that. that I want. I want the spinoff movie about Eggman's robots, like, doing shit in, like, a post-9-11 world, and it's just, like, really weirdly, like, morally ambivalent, and, like, maybe the DOD sponsored it. It's, like, some kind of recruitment propaganda. And but Sonic's he's acting like, exactly the same as he's in Sonic, where he's, like, trying his best yeah. to be all fucking zany and wild. Yeah, like... Sonic says, protecting imperialism is every citizen's <laughs> duty. <laughs> I talk about this with games a lot, but when a when a villain is bad just like to be evil, that does nothing for me. And well, I he thought he was bad because he wanted the shiny blue quill. No, he literally sings a song about how he's evil. <laughs> yeah, his Yo, the his Joker latte dance doesn't have shit on the on the Eggman dance. I thought that they would at least make up for it a tiny bit by having his like assistant betray him, but it, I feel like they started writing that and then dropped it. He just. There was a weird sexual tension. Was I the only one who felt that? No, yeah. no, you weren't. What? I, I me too. Okay, good. I yeah. Mean, I didn't catch that. I, I just felt tension. Well, it was definitely sexual. Oh. Mm. It was it was it was bizarre. Yeah. A lot of it was bizarre. Like 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 Sonic having like empty beer cans in his cave. Did he have a nice set? Yeah. Uh, I heard that in the trailers the cans were not labeled, but then in the movie they were like composite labeled with I wanna say, um, I forget. It's one of those domestic beers, like a Bud Light maybe. That's hysterical. Uh, wow. Which which then appeared again in the bar scene. Right. That makes sense. Uh, we, you never thought I'd be saying that one of my favorite scenes in the Sonic movie was the was the bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> what about the part where James Marston's wife is like, I found us a great apartment on Zillow.com where is you can near, find your great apartment today. Is it near an Olive Garden? It's, yeah, there was just blatant like product placement advertising. His shoes are Pumas. You see the Puma logo very clearly. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it was a it was a fun time. I'm not going to go see it again. But... <laughs> I, I agree with you there. Like but him. I am going to go to the goddamn opening night of Sonic 2. Fuck yeah. Because I got... Re- Everyone in our theater was so hype. Spoilers if you haven't seen Sonic. I mean, how, how much do you really care? <laughs> <laughs> in the after credit scene, Tails shows up. Oh, I accidentally spoiled this like 10 minutes and I ago. Thought, I thought th- at the very most we'd get a tease of Tails. But we got like multiple angles of him. We got to hear his voice, see his entire model. We even got to see him fly... I mean, I know everybody is saying this, but I would kill. I would pay any amount of money to know what he looked like before. That's or was what going I was to look like. Say, that's yeah. all I want. Yeah. He just a disgusting fox creature. Why don't they just go all the way and have Eggman be CG too and just never address it? <laughs> I mean, why not? 
Yeah, it would fuck make, it. Make the movie more entertaining. That's true. That's true. No. Speaking of entertainment, uh, you two went to a recent local entertainment uh, facility, didn't you? We, we did, yeah. We yeah. did. They did have um, Sonic basketball there. Wait, was it really Sonic themed? Yeah. It, yeah, wow. it was. They also had Sonic Plinko. Um, fuck yeah. Yeah, there was some stuff. Tell, so, them, tell them about it, Janelle. Well, you know more about it. You're more familiar with the history of the company. I, mean, I don't know the history of the company. <laughs> but, um, Let me open up the Wikipedia this page. This new entertainment place, entertainment zone, fun zone. It's really glorified they have all kinds of weird stuff. Chuck E. Cheese um, opened up in Eugene this last weekend. They have bowling and karaoke uh-huh. and arcade games. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, primarily games imported directly from Japan. I don't know, I don't know about like like primarily but it's it's kind of like the it's the thing that makes them unique you know yeah. from they're a company from Japan yeah they have tons of locations in Japan and they they uh they they propped one up here and we went and I think out of the arcades in Eugene it's not it's not perfect it still has that arcade tackiness that you're never gonna get away from right but I mean hey it's got the initial D game. And that game is so fun. Yeah. That game yeah, is so were, good. You two were talking about that. Tell, tell us more about that. The initial D game or just the stuff that well, they have? specifically the initial D game because Janelle was also like, hell yeah, so I want to hear. Well, let me preface that by saying that um, like, they have a lot of imported Japanese arcade games, but it's, it's kind of interesting if you go in because if you look at the outside, there's this ring surrounding it of games like Angry Birds Arcade and Skee-Ball and cut the rope and all kinds of things. But then in the middle cluster, they have this 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 um chunk of like imported games that honestly like a fourth of them were out of service. Yeah, or that didn't was even, really strange. didn't even work. They're not they're, they didn't bother to translate most of them or they're not even like localized games. They're just sort of plopped right down. And there's even some features that they'll like they'll ask you to scan these cards that just straight up don't don't exist in the States. <laughs> and, and you just have to hit no. But if you can't read the word no, you have to guess which one says no. And it's a, it's, it's a mess. But I admire the boldness of just plopping those down and seeing who will pay for them. I have a quick question. How yeah. long do you think those will last until they realize these are not making us no money? They're costing more money to keep the lights on them than well, they are to get back. They were what people were playing. People weren't touching the shitty skee-ball games oh. at all. Like, the entire ring around the place was just empty. Yep. People were pretty much only playing those and the claw games from Japan. I did not expect that at all because when mm-hmm. you two were talking about it and saying it was an arcade, I was like, oh, these, these weird Japanese arcade games are not going to do very well. That's well, news to me. I no. think this is why this place is so interesting to me because there are already plenty of arcades where you can go play the kind of stuff you'll find at Seaside Beach or Wonderland or whatever. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that those are the kind of games that draw returning customers because you go there when you just happen to be in the area and you go, hey, let's play a ski ball or let's do that one game where it like actually shoots a stream of water at the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, you know, like weird, um, sit in a box and shoot stuff like mm-hmm. the American House of the Dead type type of things, like gun games and all that. But for something like this, where they have like a lot of rhythm games you can only find in Japan and stuff like the initial D game. Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion and whatnot. I think that that will make this unique. And I know that people will actually travel from all around the state to go to like Uwajimaya, which is the, the, the big um, Japanese grocery store in Beaverton because they have an attached bookstore with imported books. And it's by far their most popular uh, section, aside from, like, the regulars that just do their shopping there. So people will come from all over, even from other states, to go to that one. Um, 
I think that I'm not a businessman, but I think if they actually lean into like specializing in the Japanese arcade games, that they could find their their loyal audience instead of just people that go, "Hey, let's go to the bowling arcade town place." I mean, I feel like the bowling the bowling arcade town place people would still bring in a decent amount, especially mm-hmm. let's be honest, out here in Eugene, I feel like you've got a pretty decent amount of those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Karaoke was bad, too. I know mm, this is a video game mm-hmm. podcast, but I'm really mad about that. As, yeah, I heard some horror stories about that. And I wanted to mention that. Um, also, Disney Zoom Zoom stole all of my money. So You say that like it, it took it from you, like, will, not it, willingly. Those, if you don't know how the machines work when you first get there, it's very confusing. And to get one fucking, what is that character's name? Like, Perry the Platypus yeah, or whatever? Yeah, she got a Perry the he Platypus. It cost me, like, $10, I think. Like a physical little Perry the Platypus. Like a tiny one in five minutes of Bejeweled. Well, what they do is, it's like the it's like uh, the old, like, Xbox Live points where you, you have to go turn your money into points which are numbered very strangely mm-hmm. and then obfuscated. Like, for example, $50 gets you, I think, 200 points and 60 bonus points. So you swipe 50 bucks and you end up with like 260 points. And so my guess is that's pretty intentional because mm-hmm. by oh, the time yeah. you're out oh, on yeah. the floor, you forget how much a point is dollar wise. So you're not thinking about, oh, it costs 12, 12 points to swipe to get this one try at the claw machine. Before you know it, you've tried four times and you've lost who even knows what money you're paying if you're not if you're not doing the math fast mm-hmm. in it's the your same head, thing so. as poker chips in an arcade. Like if you disconnect right. it yeah. from physical money, then it's like, oh, this isn't do you and, this mental connection is not there anymore. I think though that's another reason why those Japanese import games are going to do so well. Because like those were really cheap to play they, they compared were, yep. to pretty much everything else. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. They were between like five to seven points, whereas mm-hmm. most things were like ten to fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. And and then you get way more bang for your buck too, because you're playing for like two or three rounds, um, as opposed to you know throwing a couple ski balls. And we whatever. did say the name of this place, right? Round, Round one. one. Okay. Hey, I'm just realizing we might have been talking this entire time. No, I think I said saying it. That, okay, okay, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah. I was worried it's about like that. like round one entertainment, and they have this giant bowling pin. You can't miss it. Uh, My you... Japanese professor got really excited when she heard that we have it, which was very good. Huh. Yeah. Is she from Japan? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, her Japanese professor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I have an Asian film professor that's like the whitest human being I've ever met. So. Uh, Fair enough. Um, yeah, speaking so... of, of white things, remember that game about the goose? Yeah. He was white. He was a white goose. He was. Tell us what happened with the goose, Alex. So Untitled Goose Game uh, won Game of the Year at the DICE Awards, which is, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's basically like, if if Jeff Keighley's Game Awards are the Golden Globes, the DICE Awards are the Oscars. Like, this is like the legit, the most legit that video game awards I think are going to be for quite a while. Um, and this game won. <laughs> Sorry, that sentence just cracked No, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, oh, man. But yeah, but Goose Game won Game of the Year out of Which, every other game that came uh, out this year. I like Goose Game, but Game of the Year, though? What other... Do you guys have the list of, like, previous year's winners? Because it's pretty surprising. I don't. Do you have it? No. <laughs> that's why I asked you. Pull it up. All right. Um, yeah, that, that, that's been the general consensus that Nolan was saying, is that a lot of people are like, like, Goose Game's fine, but... Game of the Year? And I'm going to be contrarian here for a second. I think that this game deserves it because I can't think of a game that's made as big of an impact and brought people who don't normally pay attention to or like video games. Like, mm. they, they looked at it and were like, oh, this is interesting, right? I guess I guess that argument makes sense, but I I think it's sure, more important, basically. I'm not sure that's the metric that I would pick a Game of the Year based I on. I mean, I love that game so much. That game is so good. But I feel like that was maybe the case for a little bit. 
I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, for like a personal game of the year, I'm totally with that. I'm just, I'm also surprised and. No, know. yeah, yeah. Um, What's the last five winners? Looks like you have the list pulled up here. So, 2018 was God of War. I haven't actually played that one, so I'm not sure. About okay. That. Uh, 2017 was Breath of the Wild. Good. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 2016 was Overwatch. Makes sense. Uh, mm. 2015 was Fallout 4. Okay. Uh, 2014 was Dragon Age Inquisition. Bullshit. <laughs> Hate that game. Uh, 2013 was Last of Us. So, you know, you, you have... Inquisition and Fallout 4 make me... Makes it sound more like a popularity contest. Maybe. Than a, than a, but I mean, Fallout 4 did really well and also mm-hmm. like also shook, like brought Fallout back into the public. Yeah, and eye. that was the first time that I can think of. I'm probably totally wrong, but it's the first time I can think of in a very long time at least where at E3 a company went, here's this game everybody's been wanting for years. By the way, it's out in two months. Yeah, that's so true. That's true. that makes a lot of sense. Inquisition sucks. <laughs> I do, so. I do admire, but that's stuff for that, and I and I wish yeah. that like um, other companies would do that. But like, so like Goose Game being Game of the Year, I guess I would just prefer a Game of the Year to go to something a bit more monumental. I'm not saying that a Game of the Year needs to be a AAA thing. Far from it. I don't know if Goose Game really like does anything particularly new or particularly well with game design so much as it is just a thing that is uniquely primed to catch on virally because it's so shareable it's it's so clippable and i think that that contributed a lot to its popularity and oh, a lot I don't to deny its impact that. but i don't think that like as a game it's particularly mm-hmm. well yeah. it, it, it's 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 a fun game but it is it is just as much living and breathing by being retweeted as it is by being purchased is right. I guess what I'm saying which is but is that not monumental in and of itself that it's able to draw so much attention mm, well right? not in 2019 2020 well, Maybe. Was 2019. I think I mean that is monumental in and of itself sure, but, but, but like I, I just think there was like think of another game that had the same impact that until and also outside of game outside of video game circles most people outside of video game circles don't know or give a shit about what Death Stranding is. But, that, but, 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 but like everyone like, knows but that's the like game. saying I have not, uh, I haven't seen that. But maybe because you're right. we're not outside of those circles. But well. that's like saying like think of a think of a a better. That's like saying think of a different movie that made more of an impact outside of film circles and like that that the one that is the most relevant outside of the film world right. would be the one chosen for an, an Oscar. Whereas like you'd want people you'd want it to be chosen based off its qualifications like as a film because. I mean, like popularity is not. As an aside, I'm just looking at their entire list, and the only other time a game like this has won was um, in 2012. Journey won. Which that is makes weird. sense. But every game. other year, it's been a game like what you're talking about, and I think it's great. And I love Goose Game so much, but I just I'm surprised. I guess everyone is. I mean, though. yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I'm definitely surprised. I don't know if I would have done it, but I understand the merit, and mm-hmm. I I won't argue it. Um, I'm glad they got that. I think it's yeah. really cool. Um, they're getting a lot of things. Like they're supposed, they're supposed to be like a Lego set coming out. Yeah, I'm happy for House House. I, mean, I, I love, yeah. I love seeing this happen to indie studios. Like I remember being really happy seeing uh, Yacht Club shoot up like this too. Um, yes, yes. Because because Goose Game, you know, is like the most likely indie game that I can see getting the like official official be becoming the new indie game that cameos and everything else treatment. You know, they certainly seem like the big breakout hit in that sense. So absolutely, yeah. In that way, yes, they're they're absolutely a crowd favorite. I don't deny that at all. Just on a personal level, like I was really happy with Sekiro winning. By the way, our man Jeff Keeley, our main man, he's actually sitting here in the podcast booth with us. Hey, Hi, Jeff. Jeff. 
Um, he's not. Going, he's, he's a pretty quiet guy. Um, he doesn't say much, but you're just going to have to believe us. He also will not be saying much this year. Isn't that right, Jeff? At E3. It turns out Jeff is not going to E3, will not be helping produce E3, which, hear me out, audience, may sound like a pretty small news story because, first of all, who the, who the heck is Jeff Keighley? Second of all, why do we care whether or not he's going? He lives his own life. But Jeff Keighley's been going to E3 for something like two and a half decades now, mm-hmm. and he's been a staple. And though opinions on whether or not Jeff Keighley matters are divided, <laughs> I would argue that him stepping away from E3 is important because it's kind of like the... Um, it's a, it's a bit of a signal. Sony's Sony's gone two years in a row. Mm. Jeff Keighley's gone. So what do we have left on the stage? We have Ubisoft, Bethesda, Microsoft, and EA. If if, if Microsoft follows suit from Sony, E three's dead That's in the it. water. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah. This is the this is the final nail in the coffin, right? I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't want to I don't want to say Jeff Keighley's the final nail in the coffin. Well, no, Jeff Keighley's doing fine. I'm sure he's really successful with his dumb game awards that I don't he's, like. He's but... the third. He's like the third to final nail in the coffin. He's like the coffin is falling apart. No, wait, that's backwards. The coffin's mm-hmm. nearly finished, and Jeff's. I don't. I don't want to be sitting in it. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I think people are starting to realize that, wait, we don't need to spend a bunch of money to do this. We can rent out like a like a convention hall, do our own thing, and then stream it online. I fucking for hate free. that, by the way. I, I mean hate it. Nintendo's been doing that for literally years. They don't Awful. even go on stage for E three anymore. I love E three. I think E three is fun. My whole first half of the year back in the day used to be dedicated to being excited about E three. I'm sad that it's dying. A lot well, of people think this is good. But I think it sucks. I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I, I enjoy E3. I think we've talked about it before, and I think I said probably something similar to this. But it's it's a marketing endeavor disguised as a fun like party. Sure. Right? And I mean, that's I mean, and we're we like video we're games here for that. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing, a lot of this news is marketing, right? Like. Yeah. So I, I'm with you on that, but at the same time, like if if people are willing to do their own thing, the spirit of E3 will not die. Mm. People will keep doing their own things. Other people are trying to copy the Nintendo Direct formula, and it's doing pretty well for them. Like, uh, Sony did a couple recently. I forget what they called them. State of Play. Yeah. And, and they're then, better than Direct. That's not true. And then Microsoft went and did something. You don't need to be constrained by E3, and I wonder if people are going to realize that. Mm. As sad as that would be a part of my, like, quote-unquote, this is weird to say, but a part of my childhood, something I look forward to watching yeah, every summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's room to grow. I think that the thing about E3 is that they saw this coming a long ways away. If you go back into the past several years of E3, I think the first big sign was not even Sony leaving. I think the first big um, like telltale sign was E3 opening its doors to the public. And that that at on its surface may sound like this like elitist claim, but I guess what I'm saying is that E3's identity mm-hmm. was not to be the um, public convention it, like, the show floor was almost like an afterthought. I mean, what I think that what the show floor was was it served its purpose as a a, a ground floor, um, like, consolidation of all of the booths because they had press appointments for the press to go around the floor and make appointments to play games off camera so they could come back and write their previews later. But the thing is, like... When E3 opened up to become a public event, they, that's like they had to dilute their identity, right? Right. And, and like, obviously, we don't have press passes, so we've not been to E3. Uh, another big reason that people are not looking forward to E3, there was that big information leak, I think it was last yeah. year, year before. Mm-hmm. A lot of game journalists yeah. got a lot of their own personal info yep. leaked. 
And at a time where people have not liked journalists and have never liked specifically video game journalists for some weird reason. In the age of swatting. People were like, yeah, this isn't cool. We're probably not going to come back to this. And I think several prominent people have been like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm feeling it. Yeah. Not going to come back to that. Well, I just, I guess what I'm saying is they can't really like close Pandora's box on that. Like once you open E3 to the public, you can't close E3 to the public again. And they have like only a couple options, right? And what it seems like from from reports on the floor, it seems like they're trying to become an alternative to kind of like a PAX or a Gamescom. Like this is where you go to see what's what's happening in the world. But the but the problem is they still are also doing their like closed press appointments. So if you actually go to E3 as a public attendee, you are not going to be able to do the number one thing you want to do at E3, which is play games that aren't out yet. Mm-hmm. If you're buying a ticket to E3, what you like the reason you should do that as opposed to any other better convention is to play games that aren't out yet, but you can't do that. Only the press can. But by having to maintain a public presence and become a marketing thing at the same time for the public, they no longer can also give their attention fully to the press appointments and to those events. So you're actually diluting and like and, and weakening both at the same time. It's just all around less effective. People are slipping out. Like and Here's- and that's the thing, is and, 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 and it's it's just like when it's just like when things went streaming, you know, everyone realized I want my streaming platform. I want my Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. Why should I go here? Here's what I'm wondering that you just brought up. Um, uh-huh. I wonder if it's more cost effective to open it up because, you know, you have word of mouth is huge, especially with like social media. Things travel all around the globe in an instant. And if you're like an influencer, you might be just as if not more powerful than a writer from uh, Kotaku. Or I don't think but- in this like sphere, though. Right. Like maybe for any other thing, but I don't think that's necessarily the case for with games? video games. I think that's absolutely I the think case with video games. Games journalists are way more important and prominent than game influencers. Well, and like, but at the same you- time, we do live in a world where like influencers are getting press passes now, too. Sure. And that's what I mean. Right. Like so. And and and. and Fuck the press passes, right? If the public goes in and tweet about it, that's a lot of good word of mouth. But people, are, you don't need that for E3. People are doing that. You sit on a fucking couch for a weekend for two <laughs> hours at a time and you watch things and you tweet about them. Like, you don't need sure. people to go and say, I saw a small screen with The Last of Us 3 on it because, like, people are going to be tweeting about that anyway. Well, but they true, don't make any true, money but you have, that. But you have people who are seeing it at home seeing The Last of Us for five minutes, and then you have people that are playing it for 90 mm-hmm. in a in a closed room with, like, Neil Druckmann sitting next to them. And and, and that's <laughs> and I think that's the big difference, right? Sure. And, like, if you're going to watch E3 at home, you already have the full experience except for getting to do that. So why would you buy a show floor ticket that you can't do anything with? Mm-hmm. And, then the, and then, like, the, the press is having a harder time getting to their appointments, and they're actually getting less of them anyways. And, like... I mean, what? Um, Last of Us is it? Last of Us Three? It's it's at Pax East Boston. That was a joke. It's Last of Us Two. Oh, sorry, Last of Us Two. My bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be at Pax East, and that hurts. So, so that, so that, that to me is interesting. Sony's gone from E3. They're they're showing a game that isn't out yet at Pax East. You can play it. I mean, that that that's 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 huge. Like, do you think that E3 is just gonna get divested to to consumer conventions? I mean, like 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 Jeff Keighley presents at Gamescom every year. Just Move everything like Death Stranding was was mostly revealed at Gamescom. That's true. Like they did all of the the cutscenes. I mean, they showed basically all the cutscenes and at there with uh, Jeff Keighley's 
presentation. And then you watch E3 and and you're getting like a little bit of press conferences and then you're getting six hours of like Greg Miller talking to like an NBA player for no reason or something. And they clearly have no idea what to do with their time, you know, and nobody wants to wants to wants to pay to go there. I mean, sure. But like, remember, was it Sony's press conference in 20? 18 where mm-hmm. they had all the music was that that oh and that was incredible but that you'll was, never um, get that at any other type of thing like this except for the game awards now i guess but like I think, that. Was, I think that well was, people are dumb like that was because, no they had to shuffle yeah. for context okay yes okay having to move journalists around to different buildings that part was shitty and dumb but what i'm saying is that it's the only time oh that one okay yeah, yeah. i was thinking With, like, of the, the, last the one of where and... they showed there was one where they showed um, 2016 when the announced God of War and they mm-hmm. had like the, yeah. sim- the symphony. No, that was great. Re- that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying though, like regardless of how they did it, it's, this is the only event that exists where those types of things can happen. And I think it's really cool to have that. I'm much more interested in getting a bunch of game drops in one weekend than I am over the course of a year. And I think that keeps people more interested. I don't know. I'm not a mm-hmm. businessman, but I don't know. You just, I love packs and I love things like that, but you can't get that same experience. I mean, it, d- d- despite like seeing the writing on the wall and like on a, on a, on a logical level, I, I don't think that E3 going away is a, is like a terrible bad thing. I mean, it's a per- big personal loss for me. That's where I'm conflicting. I always had a dream of putting on my badge and and going down to E3 and like sitting at one of the little interview spots. I I have wanted to do that for for years and and like E3 going away and divesting and and the press events like multiplying is is fine, but I'm going to miss that dream and more importantly like gathering on the day of with a bunch of pizzas and root beer and shit and waiting for the conference to start on the twitch stream i mean all of that it feels like the end of an era despite like it all making a lot of sense and yeah okay e3's past its prime we've all moved on from it we've all grown out of it but but like i kind of miss the the i don't know the purity of all that it's all on one or two days and you don't have to watch like 30 minutes in January and 30 minutes in March. Exactly. And I liked yes. it just being one weekend and all my friends get together and we play Smash in between the conferences. I, I think all three of us are sad about how it's changing, but yeah. like, you know, the the media landscape is changing, right? Like things are going to change and you either change with it or get left behind. I'm not sure what E3 is going to do. <laughs> um, I think E3 is going to just slowly fade away until, you know, it's like, seen... it's like Space World, like... <laughs> we don't even know what happened to that. It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of people saying that people have been saying this for the last like five years or whatever. That's so a good point. maybe yep. nothing yep. will happen and we're just fear mongering. Maybe like Atari will successfully revive themselves like they've been trying to do and they'll, <laughs> and they'll take Sony's spot and then Sony will be like, let me back in. And yeah, yeah. And Atari it's releases Atari their console. Now, yeah. They'll release like the Atari 6 just to look bigger than the PS5 and they won't even explain it. I just looked it up and did you guys know that the E3 pass is called the Gamer Pass? I hate oh, that. I hate beautiful i'll really buy good. it 150 dollars. So, okay so so jeff keely's out of e3 and then um dan hauser the um co-founder of rockstar brother of sam hauser is uh has also announced that he's leaving rockstar games which if you guys don't know what he has done um aside from co-founding the company the hauser brothers are a lot more uh active than a lot of ceos like sam hauser and dan hauser usually co-write most of the games um dan 
in particular is the man behind the Red Dead games. Obviously, Sam Hauser helped, but though they were kind of his brainchild. Um, he's done a lot of writing on the GTA games and um, has really been like a creative force. And we, unless I miss something, don't really have any details on what went into his decision, but he is gone. It's no longer a brother-led deal. Yeah. What do you think about that? Does this mean I'll never get another Red Dead game? I think that was you'll get another Red Dead game. It was literally the most successful product of like all time. Regardless, (laughs) they're gonna there's as long as the sun is still burning, they're gonna keep making money off these IPs if they're making money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I remember there was some some people stirring about there may have been some internal conflict with the whole um, unionizing and the employee treatment thing that was going on. And we talked about this on a previous episode, but like, uh, like episode one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we talked show. about this sort yeah. of thing a lot. Yeah, the idea yeah. that like rock star employees were working like what, like twenty hour days, and, and like and not being allowed to see their their newborn children or work yeah. go home on weekends. And then like CD Projekt Red was like, we'll never do that. And then they're, they did. They yeah, literally so. announced like a month ago that they're also doing it um, right now. But apparently, just like every studio. there's been conflicting <laughs> reports, but apparently things are getting better. But I wonder if that was an internal disagreement. That they just couldn't couldn't figure out what to do. I mean, it's it's like it's all conjecture, right? Like we really have no idea. Sure, but um, maybe there was like a family Christmas incident or something that led to the (laughs) the demise of Rockstar. Maybe they were never really brothers at all. Oh my! They were only sworn brothers. Who knows? Dan Hazard devoted way too much money to horse testicles, and (laughs) and they were so upset because their entire family's legacy was ruined because he had to push for this feature in their video game. Maybe he. Is leaving so he can go to E3 to replace Jeff. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to write E3. It's going to be like a story now. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder what that's going to look like. I think that the thing is, if, if he if he wanted to, he has the money and clout to just just do yeah. anything. I mean, he can just open his own studio. So, it's not, I mean, I, like, I'm kind of sad to see them split up, but I also don't have any particular affection for them as a team. Right. I mean, as far as the Hauser brothers writing goes, I'm far more inclined to give my attention to, to like Dan Hauser's led projects than Sam's. I don't really know if this is true, but if Dan Hauser is the one in charge mostly of Red Dead 1 and 2, and then the GTA games, to my knowledge, are mostly co-written between them, I mean... I, I don't. Very the GTA tone. writings are are like they're they're well written, but they're well written in the mm-hmm. way that like a Tarantino movie is, which is to say like really kind of gross most of the time. Like they're written with talent and they're written with skill, but they're also just sort of they make you want to shower. You yeah. know what I mean? Red Dead is written like a western. It's a yeah. lot more subtle. It's a lot more slow. Whereas GTA is just like borderline South Park. Like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Just shoving shit in your face all it's the time. It's like a satire yeah. of America by oh, way of South off. Park. No, I'm like, not, no, not I'm saying. you. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like. it's like when people say like South Park is brilliant satire because it calls out societal issues. It's like, that's the base level requirement. That's like the lowest bar that you can set. And like, yeah. mm, and I, I don't know. A lot of it comes down to personal taste. I won't yeah. argue that, but I, I definitely prefer Red Dead more than GTA. Um, Far more. I, oh my I know God, you. Yeah. I know you too do. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So this is and this so is, is weird out of news. Yeah, Jeff. Also, we can't ignore yeah, him. He's nodding um, vigorously. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's also. We turned his mic off. He's just talking about Half Life Alex the whole time. No, you can't take the tape off. Leave, leave it on, <laughs> Jeff. I'm putting you back in your cage, Jeff. This wasn't a thing we wanted to talk about, and I don't know anything about this. But that conversation reminded me that today the employees at Kickstarter decided to unionize. Oh, that's right! I didn't hear about that. Well, that's a thing that happened okay. today. Yeah, so, yeah. Did they talk about why? 
you know, why ever people want to unionize. I, again, I don't know anything about this. I just are remembered they, they it and wanted for to mention it. $10,000 to start the union office? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's super cool. They're one of the first big tech companies ever to do that, to yeah. my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of games are funded through Kickstarter. If if the podcast didn't wasn't cursed, we would have talked a while ago about um, yeah. uh, uh, Wonderful 101, which we don't have time for now. But that's being funded through Kickstarter. Yep. Um, so many games. Shen- Shenmue, Shenmue 3. Shenmue 3. Oh, <laughs> Shovel Knight. Um, Shenmue 3 set like a Kickstarter games category record. It was an all-time high. Yeah. Wow. Okay. wow. Like, they asked for $2 million. They got like 6.3 Well, or they something. sure um, fucked that up. No. Yu Suzuki was like, I plan... He's openly admitted, quick aside, to having planned Shenmue 3 in the late 90s. Like, because Shenmue 1, 2, and 3 were, were, like, planned and outlined before they even knew they were making them on the Dreamcast. So he's he is stubborn as hell. He's like, I'm making my game, and I'm not changing a damn thing about it. Is this like how George Lucas was like, yeah, I planned the prequels the whole time. Nothing changed. They no, were always... because, like, before Shenmue 1 even was being made, Yu Suzuki was like, it's 16 chapters long. And, and, and they were like, I mean, okay, the first, like, game is the most expensive game ever developed. And he's like... It's 16 chapters long. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and he's still doing it. Yeah. Dang. Well, so Kickstarter, <clears throat> um, a lot of money going around there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sony. You want to talk about what Sony's big I do. money issue is? I do. I do. You guys remember when the PS3 was announced? I don't. I, yeah, was, I don't really. think I was How even. I don't think I was even ten years old. But yeah. I, I do. I do. You know, I've seen the clips. Sure. When they announced <laughs> that it was when they announced that it was six hundred dollars in right. the in the crowd had a had a bit of a moment. Didn't didn't like that. Heated gamer yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, heated gamer moment. A heated E three moment, if you oh, will. Man. Yeah. Jeff Keeley was That's why Jeff Keeley left, yeah. yeah. Fuck. He's still bitter about the giant crab too. It's really it was a big problem. Um well It's a deep cut. Sony uh is uh is trying to position the PS five. At least it seems. It 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 would seem as a um quite the powerhouse, maybe to supersede the Xbox in terms of power, which is something they not done before, but leaks are showing they might be doing that now. But the problem is it's driving the price way the hell up. So mm. reports are saying it could be anywhere between four fifty to five hundred dollars right now. How much was the PS4 when it was released? I don't actually I, I don't think actually I know. I remember spending five hundred dollars, but maybe that's because any amount over two hundred and fifty dollars feels like five hundred dollars. That's <laughs> so. true. That's true. Do you will this affect in either of you? No. Let, let's say if the PS five is five hundred dollars or four fifty, like they're saying, will you Will that go into your decision? I anticipated that because that's what they say before any PlayStation comes out. So no, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to kiss it and it's going to sleep in bed with me. <laughs> Alex, I know you, unlike me, aren't a shill for PlayStation. Well, I'm a so, shill for something. Shill, shill, um, for, shill for but, Nintendo. Yeah, but not so much for Sony. So right. yeah, what about I can, you? I can. That's the thing. Like, Unless we get some killer exclusive that like really hooks me, I'm not going to spend that, that much money on a brand new console. Maybe I'll get it. Like, cause I got I got a PS I got a PS4 like, what like two years ago maybe? Not that long ago. Definitely not when it launched. It had gone through a few revisions already. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely there's nothing that I'm like oh I want to see on the PS5 right. Like most things I can do on my PC or my Switch right. I didn't I didn't get mine until summer of 2017. Yeah. yeah. Really? And and I mean I but I would have like I wouldn't have been against having a day one to be honest. Yeah. I, the, I feel a lot more inclined these days to get in on day one of a console release because I feel like I have more of a vested interest in like being um, up to speed 
with everything that's going on. Um, I don't feel like I want to ignore what's coming out on the PS5 for three years because I just am going to, even if it's not top notch, I want to have been there for it. Yeah. That's probably a little bit but naive and a whole to... lot like manipulated, manipulated by marketing. Yeah. But, but also I'm like... I'm glad you said it, not me. But, uh... but I mean, that's true. But also like, I don't know, I think us here at this table are in the unique position where we're interested in like, I don't know about you, Alex. I don't know what you want to do with your life. But I know like... I wanted to work in the games journalism industry, yeah, right? So, yeah. like, that's going to change things. Like, if that weren't the case, I'd wait until it got cheaper. All right. Do you guys want to talk about uh, MVC2 or do you want to yes. wrap it up? No, yeah. let's talk about MVC2 okay. real quick. Tell, tell us what's happening, Alex. Tell me what so, that is. Tell me what that means. All right. So, Evo, the uh-huh. Evolution Fighting Game Tournament, it takes place every year in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. It is. There's oh, there's so much money in fighting games there. This is where they have tournaments for things like Street Fighter, uh, Tekken, and a, a a very very old game that came out in '98 maybe um, this year is taking center stage. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is getting a surprise slot at Evo uh, for the first time since what did I say here? 2010 um, is when they've had this, and then they moved to three, and then Infinite came out and nobody cared. Um, but Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is interesting because it's one of the most universally adored games in the FGC, the fighting game community. I, I was when, when I was at PAX, I was talking with some guy um, who said that he had been uh, talking... He, he did some sort of periphery thing with Nintendo. I, don't, I forget what it was. But he was complaining about Melee. He was like, oh man, I just they should just play a new game. I hate that. And then a little bit later, he was talking about how much he loves Marvel vs. Capcom 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, okay, hold on. But no, th- th- this game is universally loved. It defined the fighting, the uh, hyperfighter genre. Which, which is, I mean, to my understanding, where you pick multiple characters and you tag them in. Is and that... al- yeah, and also just like, Street Fighter's really heavy, right? You're down to the ground a lot. Hyper Fighters, you you feel like a superhero. You're jumping around all over the place and there's okay. ridiculous, everything is over the top and insane. There's so right. much damage flying at you all the time. Like, I, 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 I have a hard time reading Hyper Fighters. I can't understand what's going on. If you, if you don't play them, it's like, mm-hmm. it's too, it's too, sure, too sure. fast almost. I mean, they are three button fighters, yeah. which is nice. They're three, um, but they're three button fighters, but they're, they're, they're so mechanically complex with those three buttons that it's like, you know, one thing I've heard a lot and a positive about that is that they're, they're build a combo. There is no set like, oh, here's how, here, this leads into this, leads into this. No, you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Anything works, right? And that's really cool. But Marvel vs. Capcom 2, this is interesting for a couple reasons. One is that Capcom is doing better than it has been in a long time. Um, they are making bank with, uh, well, were. I mean, I'm sure they still are. Devil May Cry 5 and uh, yeah. Monster Hunter. Um, kind of in a golden age for that company, if you call it yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Really... I don't even need to talk about the golden age that Marvel's in right now. They are a household name like no other. And then we got a really interesting new development. So the voice of a character uh, called V from Devil May Cry 5 tweeted out, let me pull up the tweet real quick here, absolutely pumped, or quote, absolutely pumped for the next Capcom versus game. New characters could be very familiar. <laughs> so we're going to get another Marvel vs. Capcom game, and, and then they're probably the, going to reveal it at E3. And the Capcom or, sorry, secret police like kicked his door in and yeah, like, yeah. gritted his neck. They tried this with Infinite, but Infinite didn't do very well for a couple reasons. Um, but but yeah, this this is coming out, and it's going to sell, hopefully, a lot better because people will realize, oh, we can do things with this. Um, do you guys have any ideas or thoughts on this? On NBC2? Going back to the and also evil? like the possibility of Marvel Marvel versus Capcom coming back into the limelight. You look like you do. What is it? I don't know shit about this. I have I don't have a, I don't have but a thought. Okay, all right. 
Um, well, I'm definitely, I know I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm sure lots of people are. Um, when is Evo? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's it's in the summer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's in the summer. Um, and they, they have a list of like, what, six, nine games that are like center stage. They stream them, and these are the ones where all the big money is. And that's where Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is, right? Is this where the crab incident took place? No. The oh. crab so. was Genesis? I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, it was Genesis. And that, yeah. was, uh, that was Melee. Yeah. Right. I also don't know much about Marvel vs. Capcom. I mean, I, like, know some about fighting games, but it's interesting to me... Well, you know, like, um, you know, like, Ryu, and you know, like, Iron Man. Oh, I know enough about it to... <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's all they need to sell this video game. That's well, pretty cool. What's more interesting about it to me is... Um, the idea of tournaments like Evo not being relegated to the most recent games. I think it's, um, I, I'm a lot more interested in legacy games kind of slipping in and out of the meta of, of like what is considered to be the best game to compete in than I am in them playing the newest games. And so even though I'm not tied to the fighting game, Community, uh, I think it's pretty interesting to me just well, to see a, an old game put on a main stage. That's what's so interesting about this. If we ignore Melee, which lots of people do, um, then this is like the first time in quite a while that we have had a legacy game come back and not just be like a side thing, but be prominently featured. Yeah, because you'll have people who, who there's make their a lot of money that goes into deciding. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. People make their careers off like Street Fighter two and four, but then Street Fighter five comes out, they all rail on it, but they still have to play it at Evo when it, <laughs> when the year comes to the there summer. There is so. a lot of money in politics that decides yeah. to what goes where at Evo. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if maybe maybe Papa Disney, Bob Iger himself was like all right, this Spider-Man game's been doing pretty good. We did that thing with Nintendo. Let's try this again. But this time, let's make it good. Um, and, and it'll probably make a lot of money. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'll probably, um, I'll, I'll tune in for a match or two. I'm it definitely, I'm fun. definitely interested yeah. to, to, if, if, if Marvel vs. Capcom, th- or, well, we already have three, four is real, I'm definitely interested in, in how it's going to turn out. Now, Bob Iger and you cowards at Evo, listen up. Garou, Mark of the Wolves. Evo, 2021. I mean, we're getting a uh, a new uh, KOF game. What? KOF, man. What, what are they on, like 16 now? I don't even remember. Uh, I don't know. King of Fighters. Yeah, it's not, it's not Garo. It's, it's, where, um, it's where Are You Okay? comes oh. from. You know. That's the wolf. Mr. Terry, yeah, if yeah. you will. Terrence uh, Boggerton. Yeah. Mm, mm. Tim himself. Tim himself. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Tim Wolfpunch. Yeah. Okay. Listeners, if you have any questions about Tim Wolf Punch or Terry or Evo, or if you really want us to talk about Garou, Mark of the Wolves, then uh, send us an email at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com. What is it? And also, just like as a quick aside, we have had some difficulties getting our podcast out this term. Uh-huh. So thank you for being patient with us and listening to us. And please send us emails. Mm-hmm. You're being so respectful to our audience. I wow. Know. Yeah, they're they're good. They're I'm loyal. the fan favorite, so <laughs> we get emails all the time. I just delete it, them before you guys can see them. It's in, your, it's in your Twitter bio. It says the the smallest member of the games cast. That's true, right? but has the largest inbox because people keep emailing. That's her. true. Yeah, yeah. Slide into those DMs um, all over the place. But yeah, send us an email. Um, you can get in touch with Jeff Keeley at, at @jeffkeeley <laughs> at twitter.com. And uh, stick around next week. I've been Nolan. With me's been I've been Alex. Yeah. I'm in Janelle. And we're gonna go home and play Crash Bandicoot. Are we? Really? Yeah. Why? You're okay. coming over. Bring a pizza. You two <laughs> listeners, you're all invited. Crash Bandicoot Nitro Fuel Racing. I know you you're couldn't all... <laughs> make it to Sonic, so come on over. Okay. <laughs>